Welcome to the Global Robotic Assisted Surgery Podcast, or GRASP for short. We release weekly podcasts featuring insights from leading surgeons and other surgical professionals. Our host for today is Professor Hitendra Patel, who is a global key opinion leader in robotic assisted surgery, a global key opinion leader in telesurgery, and editor in chief of the World Journal of Clinical Oncology. We hope you enjoy the GRASP podcast. Welcome to the Global Robotics Assisted Surgery Podcast, or GRASP. I'm Professor Hitendra Patel, and on our episode today, we have the excellent surgeon, Dr. Carlo Bravi. Welcome, Dr. Carlo. Thank you. Thank you, Professor. It's a great honor to be here, having this lovely chat uh, about uh, robotics. Merely pleased and honored to be here. Thank you for, for the introduction. Absolute, absolute pleasure. Um, so let's just get right into it. Um, our audience, they generally like to know a bit about the surgeons we have on, simply because it just helps them, I think, navigate their own careers. So uh, we'll just spend a little bit of time about you, if you don't mind, and then the rest of the time about your work, if that's okay. So can you just tell us a little bit about your background, where you came from, how you got to where you are? I mean, for example, Bologna, I know, is the one of the oldest uh, universities in Europe, if not in the world. And I know you studied there. So maybe start there and then we can work our way forward. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> yes, as you said, Bologna is, uh, I think, either one or the second oldest uh, university in the world. And um, I started there, my med school. I'm not originally from the city I'm originally from, let's say, one hour south of Bologna is a small town called Pesaro. And I, I moved for medical school and uh, where um, I started my exposure, I would say, to anatomy. They have a really good, um, they have really good facilities for um, cadaveric dissection. So I was exposed in the first place since med school uh, to this kind of experiences. I had also the opportunity to spend um, one month abroad in um, in Buffalo in the U.S. doing uh, cadaveric dissection and really deep uh, studies on anatomy. Um, after that, I moved to Milan to Sarafele Milan, which is um, one of the most important centers, um, not only for urology but in uh, in healthcare in Italy, Europe, and I would say also globally, where I completed my training. But at the same time, <clears throat> while being there, I was uh, given the opportunity for uh, experiences abroad. It's something that I always prioritized in my career. So I spent one year in New York City the, um, doing a full research um, oriented a fellowship in biostatistics and epidemiology under Dr. Beakers. And uh, the, at the end of my training, I moved to Belgium, which comes in, uh, let's say, which is the most uh, probably interesting part of my uh, career path with regards to robotics, as uh, is one of the most important, you might have known um, already, um, training centers for uh, robotic surgery. Um, where basically uh, I, I think uh, it's not an under, understatement saying that 
most of at least urological surgeons have been trained there. Uh, they have really an established um, robotic uh, training program and as well as facilities because of course robotic surgery uh, needs uh, requires facilities for that and there's a corollary um, training center called Orsi Academy which is close by where I spent uh, more than two years there um, being exposed to different robotic platforms because I was lucky enough to be there while um, you know the, this kind of evolving field uh, brought new robots into the market. So I was there while, for example, uh, the Medtronic Ugoras was brought to Europe and we performed the first procedure in Europe. It was a radical prostatectomy, but that um, we, we took it like from there and other specialty came over, other robots came over. So that is kind of my um, experience in robotics. And after two years and a half, I moved to the UK where I'm currently based. Uh, I started in June at the Royal Marsden in London, where I'm currently currently working. Uh, while uh, beginning of next year, I will move to Northampton, where uh, I, will to, I will take off a consultant position beginning of 2024. So wow. this is my uh, my career in, in a nutshell. You, you, wow, amazing. You, you actually, you've got more stamps in your passport than I have. So you're doing pretty well, traveling a lot and, and yeah. gaining huge experience. Um, yeah, we'll come back to training and Aussie, because um, I know you were one of the directors there for training, I believe. And uh, uh, but, but just if we just step back a second in your training um, uh, yourself for surgery and for robotics, how easy was that for you to find your training? Is that is, do you have to travel because it was difficult to find training or? What happened with training for you, first of all? Well, what happened for me is it, it might not be taken as the average uh, experience an Italian resident might have. Of course, the, there are a lot of factors involved. Uh, for example, uh, I was lucky enough to be trained in a center where um, fellowships and, let's say, sending people abroad was already established. So... Sarafele Hospital and Department of Urology as, uh, let's say, open channels with a with lot of different institutions. So once I kind of express my preference to, to be sent abroad and to learn robotics, which was my, my, my intention and my uh, <clears throat> what I wanted to do, uh, the channel was already there. There was a, 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 there was another guy before me, so I just you know uh, took over. Um, so for me, it was kind of already um, an open path. Uh, yeah. At the same time, um, at least in urology, um, there are several different um, opportunities you may, you may take. Uh, is usually a word of mouth uh, kind of thing. Um, where you uh, have different um, facilities and different hospital offering fellowships, uh, which are of different kinds. And if you want, we can uh, take a look at it as, as well. But is usually um, is all goes down to what you want to do. And um, I believe fellowships are welcome everywhere. Uh, so if you really want to do it, and uh, you can fight for it, and you can find the right training for you, I believe. Yeah, 
No, good, very good point. Um, I think things are more structured now from what you're describing compared to a few years ago. Uh, and San Rafael is, as you said, one of the flagship hospitals in the world for more than just a surgery. I, I know the, the um, uh, Masters in Health Administration was another big thing. They worked with Seattle. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've actually been there. I know it well. Francesca Montorsi, I would call a, a, a very good friend. So, yeah, no, no, amazing place, and you've had an amazing experience there. Um, if I take you slightly forward now to Belgium, because the EAU have an accredited uh, fellowship program certification, which I believe you were either involved with or you certainly delivered that, didn't you? Can you tell us a bit about that so the audience knows what that is? Sure. Um, I think and um, you're referring to the CCEROS, which stands for the Certified Curriculum by the EAU Robotic Urology Society, which is um, <clears throat> our society of robotic surgery founded by Alex Motri, um, which is the chairman of OLB Hospital and CEO of Orsi Academy, um, was founded in 2007. And after five or six years, was kind of uh, brought into the bigger EAU um, umbrella. So is uh, now a, a society part of the EAU officially. And um, the CC Arrows was the first uh, certified um, curriculum worldwide for robotic surgery, uh, which means that there's a specific uh, stepwise approach to uh, a certain procedure. We're talking about radical prostatectomy, which for urologists, I know our audience is not just urologists, but for urologists is kind of the first, probably the first operation everyone is trained uh, with uh, in a way. So this brings you on a step-by-step -step manner into the operation. So uh, you have, uh, is a 12 month uh, period where the first, uh, you, you will start with a course um, in a training facilities, uh, usually at Orsi Academy is one of where I, I was uh, exposed and I was training people um, for a week where you, have, you start with dry labs and with simulator, then dry labs, wet labs, where there are um, dog and um, pig models performing the, the, the procedure. Once you go back home, you have 12 months um, to complete a procedure. And uh, at the end of the fellowship, at the end of the 12 months, you have to send a video and show where, of course, your your, your supervisor certifies that you, is you operating because robotic surgery is like only endoscopic view. Um, you have to send this video for evaluation. So once uh, this is evaluated, you are granted the um, completion of the CCL, the curriculum. And tell me, um, uh, that's in Europe. Uh, what about in the United States or North America? What do they use? to certify robotic surgeons over there. Are you aware of that? Um, I think that's the, this is not extended there, uh, at least as far as I'm aware. Um, what I'm aware of is um, training um, provided by manufacturer. 
So um, once you approach robotic surgery, um, it's in a way that the manufacturer, and of course, we're talking about Da Vinci for the, the most cases, as uh, probably 70, 80% of all robots worldwide and in, in the US, and um, they provide you with training. Of course, they also have, they, they have good um, um, a structured curriculum. Um, but this goes uh, under, uh, I think, a different path than uh, than EAU um, kind of training, which uh, relies on um, this kind of training facility locally. Yeah. I mean, just for the audience, uh, just to add to, uh, Carlo, your very extensive response, just to add a few things. Um, I mean, the UK have their own program they use also via the Royal College of Surgeons in Baus. The United States, due to each state having slightly different laws, I just need to just say this, um, they have slightly different training requirements. But in essence, you're saying that there's this stepwise approach using simulation, uh, non-human models, uh, right up to human. Do you, um, recently, um, uh, you, you guys were involved with um, using... Um, uh, things around not ai but video related teaching using um cartoon and uh, graphic type models do, do you did you get a chance to use any of that in your simulators or is it is it just the basic um single simulator made by the manufacturer uh, no we kind of um, create that kind of material uh, both in terms of what you have to do and what you have to avoid this goes goes on kind of a step back it's not a procedural training it's kind of all basic surgical training that goes on before you approach the operation of course in a way it involves translational skills like suturing nothing is like all skills a surgeon's needs um in every specialty so every surgeon uh, dissects every surgeon sutures so these are basic skills yeah. that are deployed. Uh, these training exercises are deployed with the, uh, the aid of cartoons as well as superimpression of imaging. Yeah. And also something that um, is going on and at Orsi is rap rapidly de developing is the involvement of, uh, I wouldn't say AI, but at least instrument recognition for automated uh, scoring of trainees. So yeah. meaning you have the video, you plug it into a machine, and the machine recognizes the errors the trainee do. Yeah. So just to, and yeah, exactly. And I was going to just add motion detection measurements, efficiency of motion is one of the other measurements now that people are using in many specialties. Um, tell me, you talked about the surgeon training. What about team training? How do you train your assistants, the nurses, the anesthesiologist? So just give us a little insight into that. Yeah, um, it's part of um, the same the same approach. Um, basically, as I said, the stepwise approach for a procedure extends to the entire team. And um, we're in the middle of developing, as part of the European Association of Urology, um, a curriculum which in is similar to the CC Eros for table assistance, um, where you are scored based on common errors that 
a table assistant should avoid. And this goes from checking the WHO checklist beforehand till starting on console time and is about checking pressure points, um, safely uh, withdrawing and inserting instruments under vision, trucker placement. So it's all the same approach which um, is brought forward by um, expertise at Orsi Academy, which is called proficiency-based progression training, where you can progress based on pro proficiency of a, of a certain step that you are scored about. So um, let's say draping, once you're proficient in draping, you move on. Otherwise, you stay in draping. So that's the only way to to proceed in training it's in it's interesting isn't it um with this expensive technology all the pathways are well well documented for training do you think if we'd applied the same training path stepwise modular training for laparoscopy and open surgery those would have been much better operations or do you think it's a much of a muchness what do you think yeah, uh, for sure. This has advantages, proven advantages. And um, I think what really makes robotics um, into it is that you see things in robotics. Because, uh, you know, the video you have is exactly what the surgeon looks at. So you have a good image and is a stable image. While open surgery mm, requires a lot more, uh, you know, a lot of difficulties. Uh, you have to, you know, plug the camera at the end, but then it's shaking, it gives you headache. And uh, so it's really hard to follow. I think these are the main difficulties. And yeah. the reason why open surgery doesn't have this kind of background and development in a way, um, as you always do a different thing. Yeah. Uh, while uh, robotics allows you to say, okay, last time I did the right thing, so I'll repeat. Or at least you can see someone else more expert than you and copy in a way. And uh, so I think that's the biggest advantage, that you have a direct vision of what is going on. Well, that, that brings us nicely on to the next thing I wanted to talk to you about. Because you're involved, you are so heavily involved with training and, you know, the certification of surgeons in your two years in Belgium. And I'm sure you've continued since then. The um, One of the big issues with surgery in general in the modern era is quality control and quality assurance. Now, robotics lends itself well to quality assurance because you can effectively video every single operation. So therefore you can see when things are to a certain standard or not. And there are several clinics in the world, several hospitals in the world, where the outcomes for surgery are superb because all surgeons in the facility follow the same stepwise approach. Now. Would you are you an advocate of videoing every video in your hospital that you work at? And you can anonymize them, but basically reviewing them like in an MDT or clinical governance. Do you think that's a good thing to do? Yeah, definitely. I think it's the way forward. 
and um, of course everything is part many factors are always involved in this kind of uh, talks and um, you should record for many reasons so one is training you, you you can train yourself you can train someone else second and i would say is important as well is legal uh, issues um where there's nothing um, better than having directly a video of you know uh, what happened and this goes on for um a lot of um, a lot of potential problems let's say um I, i've been told about is about like stories going on of a patient uh, that something happened and then it went someone else saying oh no they did something uh, that was not true so you can bring the video and show exactly what happened at the same time um i think the mo one of the most important thing is that you a surgeon can train yourself saying you have a positive margin this is the what i think everyone does you have yeah. a positive margin you go back to the video and see what happens yeah. uh, unless you have a really good memory you cannot do that on an uh, open operation well, let, let me put uh, this is an interesting area i'll tell you why because there 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 are a number of insurance companies indemnity companies looking to lower your premium or payment as a surgeon if you log your videos so it's a bit like driving a car with a camera if you drive a car with a camera and you show you're a safe driver your insurance premium goes down that's what happens in the uk in some with some companies do you think we can apply that model to surgeons you know to surgery with robotics yeah i i, I see this <clears throat> as a completely possible scenario and uh, then of course you have a you need a driver for things to change uh 90% of times is money so um if you're given the chance to pay a lower premium if you log your videos um i i, I can see people and surgeons doing it because at the end of the day um one if you do this job you're aware that everyone has complications uh, yeah. things can go wrong no one is uh, you know a superhero um so you just have to uh, you know stay with it there's nothing you can do maybe sometimes you do things perfectly and things go wrong the other time you know the next day you're not sure but things go go brilliantly so it's really you cannot tell and um, i think a video helps everyone and um, is surely information that can be used yeah well uh, carlo you are a superhero right so you know there is one in the, on this call here today <laughs> no, you can be one so the, 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 the very honest answer you've given and uh, i think useful actually because people are talking about this because with companies like Nvidia and other massive companies that deal with video uh, they're all talking about this in other sectors so surgery's a natural one with this gonna, in fact any procedural area so it could be interventional cardiology interventional radiology anything where there's intervention involved so so let's move let's move on so thank by the way thank you so much so far what you've explained is very clear 
lots of depth. Thank you for that. Now, um, if we just move slightly, um, with you moving to different countries regularly, how have you found the different organizational things when you go to different hospitals? Has it been easy for you? Have you managed it easily or have people helped? What, how, how did you navigate that? Different countries working as a fellow and as a consultant. Yeah, I kind of bring bits of every every system, every country with me, um, which I think enriches my my career and um, my professionalism. Yeah. Um, meaning that you need mentors and you need um, a clear vision of things. And the added value of traveling, and I think this spans over, you know, your lifetime, not only your work, uh, is seeing different, you know, way of doing things. Um, so you kind of can can take the, the best part of each, each system, each hospital, and uh, bring them with you along and uh, forget about what you don't like. And... Um, Eventually, you kind of need to settle somewhere. And uh, that's probably why I, I landed in the UK. Yeah. But I still um, use uh, expertise and mentor, um, like things my mentor uh, taught me uh, in my everyday practice. And I think uh, this like drives me. Okay. Well, I think, what, I think one of the things is travel to learn. It's not a bad way to learn. Um, so in the last few minutes, then, um, the, our audience love to know something slightly different about you. And that is when you're not operating with a robot, when you're not working, what do you do to relax and look after yourself? Yeah, um, I have a small daughter, so I look after her. She's one now, so uh, it's like tough times. No, <laughs> tough times. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, she's really nice. Uh, she let us uh, sleep at night. So um, that's my main um, involvement right now, I would say. Yeah. Apart from that, um, I, I'm really relaxed by reading. So I try as much as I can to read uh, books. Yeah. I'm a fan of paper books. So this okay. is kind of the way I try to relax when I'm not working. And, and um, uh, you are obviously from Italy. So how about the wine? You're not a wine drinker? Yeah, also I like it. Um, I'll, I'll try to, you know, get the, one, the, the right one, the good ones um, where, where, where I live. But they're usually uh, now is like it's quite easy to, you know, uh, to get the good bottles, so oh. depending on the city, yeah, in the in the, in the season, uh, I'll try to you know uh, maybe red wine in winter is more uh, is warmer and yeah. uh, some bubbles in the summer. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, well, um, I, I shall try. invite you again to talk about wine on another day. Okay, yeah, exactly. Next podcast. That, that sounds like a great podcast. But listen. Uh, Dr. Carlo Bravi, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Um, I'm sure the audience has enjoyed it as much as I have. And I wish you all the success in your new job up in Northampton. And I'm sure we'll have you back on 
in the near future. Dr. Carl Carvey, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. Real pleasure for me. Thank you for listening to the Global Robotic Assisted Surgery Podcast, or GRASP for short. Please subscribe to be updated with all of our new podcasts coming out. If you would like to learn more about robotic assisted surgery, please go to www.roboticsurgerypodcast.com.